podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Ethereus Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Well, welcome to the, uh, the second class on the nine freedoms. This one, of course, is on love. Very short, quick recap on last week uh, with bravery. It's very surprising, of course, to many people uh, about the first freedom being bravery. But what we learned in studying the first freedom last week was that our civilization is stuck in a bit of a rut. It's kind of going down um, the wrong direction. And the first step in getting out of this rut is bravery to overcome the massive amount of fear that exists in the world today. And so that's uh, the first key. And the the question now is, what do you do once you break out of that rut of fear through bravery? And that brings us to the next uh, freedom, which is love. Last week when we were um, talking about bravery, There were questions posed and some very good questions posed. And we received a few via email. And one of them I'd like to touch on uh, before we move on to the second freedom. And that is a question regarding loss, the fear of loss, the fear of a loss of a job. Uh, We can talk about the loss of a loved one, the loss of uh, a child, a father, a mother, a close friend. And that is something this person was very concerned about. And the question, being very valuable and valuable, is answered in the first freedom by Mars Sector 6. The continuation of fear for loss is replaced by knowledge of the right kind and altering the state of mind. Because fear is a state of mind. It is a weapon being used by the dark forces. So if one replaces the fear, the constant mind of thinking, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, it's going to happen to me. Well, what you're doing is creating with your mind the conditions to be set up so that you will lose or you will have some form of loss. Replacing that with positive thinking, I will have a correct or a positive outcome. I will contribute to my life in a positive way and I will abide by the great unchangeable laws of God. When those are done, when those are actually placed into your life, then the freedom called bravery lives within you. And as it does, the circumstances that of loss starts to dissipate and it's replaced with opportunities, divine opportunities. It may take years because obviously it's taken us all centuries to come to this place where we're constantly bombarded with, with all these different uh, uh, twists and turns in our life. But that said, the Nine Freedoms was given to us in 1961, with the year 2007. And as we said last week, we are pioneers in learning how to utilize these, this information, these great teachings, and apply it to our lives. So we are all on the road upwards. Another point, too, is the knowledge that all the experiences come to us for a reason. They're all a teaching. And 
rather than focus on a loss as a negative, um, the loss very well might be a positive. It's teaching us something. It's, it's a lesson for us. So on the one hand, of course, you, you go through positive uh, mental attitude and you build success. But when you come across loss, life is cyclic. All life is cyclic. And you have highs, you have lows. And you learn just as much. Some would say you can learn more from the lows. And so allow the lows to pull you up. Allow the lows to give you a different perspective on life. Allow them to um, teach you different things. So it's another way of looking at well said. Flavor. Well said. Also, before we go on, I think it's 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 very important to remember the source of the nine freedoms, and be very thankful when you think of the nine freedoms. Be, be thankful for our master for coming and bringing this information through him, which is no easy task, and be thankful for the Master Mars Sector 6 for agreeing or giving this great knowledge to Earth. That's one thing that we learn that on Earth, and it's been said, especially in America actually, we tend not to be thankful enough. And so it's good to, to really make the extra effort and be thankful for these great and wonderful teachings. And to remember as well that today, um, Mars Sector 6, or certainly one of his, the crafts under his control, satellite number three, is in orbit of Earth. And these beings have come hundreds of thousands of, of light years to be here to help us in a very difficult time on Earth. It's always good to keep these things in mind when we go over the nine freedoms. And with that, perhaps we should... Uh, we'll start the second freedom. Start the second freedom. Well, we are going to start uh, the same way we did last week with a very brief extract of Mars Sector 6. And remember, he says, the first, the second freedom will be love. He doesn't say the second freedom is love. He doesn't say the first freedom is bravery. He said the first freedom will be bravery. The second freedom will be love. Like he's virtually giving this freedom to Earth, and now it is love. Let's all sit up straight again and take full advantage of the fact that it was given to us verbally. Let's really tune into this energy. Let's close our eyes for just a moment. Slow our breathing. Raise our awareness of all the thoughts and troubles light away from our mind. Be receptive to feel this energy, the great atomic lord, Mars, Sector 6, Mark, Track 1. This is Mars, Sector 6. The second of freedom will be love.
By the way, the, the person we call Mark is Mark Tassi. He's a staff member of the American headquarters here in Los Angeles, and uh, <clears throat> we'd like to introduce him. He's not visible, but he's back there for sure. He also, by the way, uh, uploads it to our website. So the podcasts are up and available to the rest of the world, courtesy of uh, Mark Tassi. Well, thank you, Mark. We're going to establish the, the, um, the beginning of this class with the, the words of the Master Mars Sector 6. And I'd like to read a few words. Um, so here we go. Upon terror, this word is wrongly used. Love is not the measure of emotion, whether soft or violent. It is something deeper, something greater, something which cannot be measured even in mind conception. Love is an all-permeating energy which is above mind. It is the third-degree manifestation of the initial creative force. The initial creative force is but an energy which can bring into being original potential. The second degree creative force is that energy which binds together this potential, bringing manifestation. The third degree creative force is that energy known as love. You can see it, uh, Mars Sector 6 jumps very quickly from the philosophical musings of love of the old philosophers, and the Greeks, etc., into something very, very different, very cosmic. And it's something that's frankly very difficult for, I think, all of us to really understand and relate to. So fortunately, we have a, a master who is quite a bit more on top of these things, and he give, has given a very brilliant and short understanding to this, these few lines. I'd like to read that. This is in his commentary in the book, The Nine Freedoms. The Absolute saw fit to, one, create the original potential, and two, introduce those forces into this potential which were designed to bring it into manifestation. After taking these first two steps, the Absolute then took the third step, which resulted in a preservation of manifestation. The great energy of preservation is known as love. From this explanation, it can be seen that the energy called love, referred to in the text, is of a very much higher quality than that known to terrestrial man. Well, there, there is the, the, big, uh, the big gray area as far as many of us are concerned. We are so from prime from the day we're born, the current days, and in history, what love to us has been between man and woman, father to child, family mainly, the love of a country, the love of, of a, a philosophy. And here, this cosmic being is established for the first time in this planet's history, really, clearly, within a few words, that love is an energy that pervades the entire macrocosmic system. It's a force that each and every one of us has the ability to contact and manipulate. 
And he states uh, later on um, a few things that it's not, just to kind of really push the point home. And he says it is not emotionalism. It is not possession. It's not sentiment. And he says it is above a state of mind. So he's starting to set the stage that love is way, way more expansive and important and, and powerful than anyone on earth up until now really could conceive. So therefore we tonight, in the few minutes we have together in this class, the study group, where we're looking at these teachings, looking at them very carefully as students of metaphysics, we will start to open this very sacred text and expose it into the light of day, and hopefully we present and those listening can gain a greater understanding of this vital energy that permeates all life. And why? To use it. That's, that's the big thing. We're taught to be brave, to raise ourselves up out of where we are, and then to grab hold of this great tool, love, and then start to learn how to use it and then need it. So I think it's appropriate now, would you say, to let our master speak uh, the first extract. And yeah, a little bit of prep on that. Um, one, one thing that people on earth seem to excel at, not so much love, but the people on earth, we all, unfortunately, we tend to excel on hate. We're very good at and sometimes, as we talked earlier, it's good to look at opposites to understand the other pole. And so here, our master talks a little bit about hate and love. Is that a yes, good that's, that's good. That's good. The so Mark uh, Roll Track 2. Hate, as we all know, is the great destroyer. It destroys each and every one of us it brings us to our present low level of evolution. Yet, uh, as they say in some parts of England, it's an ill wind that blows nobody any good. Even the manifestation of hate must teach us the greatness of love. How can we appreciate the beautiful scenery on the top of a mountain unless we have been to sea level and only been able to see 20 miles in front of our nose. We cannot do so. Strangely enough, it is the opposite from love which makes us appreciate the greatness of love. You know what happens when you get really into occult work if you take a graph of your feelings, they go up to a high, down to a low, up to a higher, down to a lower, and the higher up you get, the further down you come. You must do, you do, each and every one of you. Well, I'm not guessing, I know you do, you have to. But the lower down you come, the more depressed you are after one of these great experiences, the greater the next experience is to you. And this is life. When we get to such a stage we can even that off with one straight line, then 
we are on the verge of mastership and even going above that, or ready to go above it. So, hate, strangely enough, gives us a great appreciation of what L-O-V-E is. So that is the wonderful, simple, straightforward, eloquent description of, in a way, how valuable hate as a example, as a measuring tool, as a great opposite of love that we can learn from. We can learn so much more and appreciate so much more of this great power of love by recognizing hate, seeing how destructive it truly is, and grasping and holding on dearly to love, learning how to manipulate it, as we'll discuss momentarily. Maybe it's a good opportunity to open up to questions or any questions at this point, possibly, regarding this uh, part. We didn't actually ask about any questions from um, the last time either. Maybe. No, we did. Bravery. If anyone has any comments or questions about bravery. Just one question uh, on the bravery was uh, about the lessons that are being specially designed by two, two terrestrial. Who, who has designed these lessons? Uh, the question is um, uh, lessons have been specially designed for us. And the question is, who has designed these lessons? Good question. I mean, clearly we don't actually know for sure. Um, but my guess would be uh, the great lords of karma have got a large hand in that. Um, you know, we're told that these are truly great beings, and they uh, administer, very poor word for it, but they, shall we say, manifest or control the workings of karma. And karma, we know, is a pressure towards conformity or a pressure back to God. And the whole purpose of lessons, uh, of karma, is to uh, mold us so that we learn through countless experiences to go back to God. So I would suggest that um, some aspect of the karmic hierarchy would be responsible. Now, in the, at the end of the day, the lessons are decided by each and every one of us. When we go to the halls of self-judgment on Saturn um, in between uh, births, and we are guided, helped by the Saturnians to um, choose who we're going to be, um, choose our next life and all the experiences. So at the end of the day, um, we are guided ourselves to put in place these lessons. So in a way, it's, it's kind of both, both answers. Well, well put, well put. Uh, and a little touch on that um, is that it has been said by the Master George King that every terrestrial on this planet, superconsciousness, is aware and has been aware throughout the centuries of the presence and the teachings of all the great masters that have come to our earth. And that the lower self, consciousness is responsible to wake up, take hold of the teachings throughout the centuries, and apply them. 
There is no excuse, according to the Master George King, for any of us any longer to hide behind any aberrant teaching, philosophy, or misconception of a philosophy any longer because our higher selves completely understands these teachings. It is up to each of us to open somehow, and that's where the, the, the good knowledge comes, the, the right kind, the knowledge of the right kind comes into play because that's where the training, the adjustments, the uh, a focusing of our life into the spiritual path, the divine path, the golden path, as it were. And that's where I believe we can certainly vouch for the Ethereum Society as one of these great paths. So, <clears throat> are there any questions that further on bravery? Because we certainly want to ask, answer any of these questions. Very good. No, but one thing, I wanted to mention something about uh, hate as opposed to love. And I, th I think hate is really a manifestation of the lack of knowledge of oneness. It's, 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 the, it's the belief in separateness. You know, I hate that person because that person is not part of me. I don't, I don't want to be around that person. I hate that uh, religion or I hate that city or I hate that group of people. And it's like you're creating a separate, a separateness between yourself and that other thing or being or community. Whereas love is uh, an acknowledgement that we're all one. We're that other person or that other um, religion, etc., is is just as much a part of God as am I, and therefore I want that other thing to grow. And that's really the difference, uh, I think. On our, in this manifestation of between love and hate, separateness and oneness, the two poles. Hate is the destroyer. It is the destroyer. We've seen it everywhere. We should watch it very carefully. We should watch every word we use. Hate, hate, hate. Yes, yes. So is fear and hate, are they intertwined? Is someone that's, very, someone that's very fearful is also very hateful? doesn't have to be that way, but it very often is, very often is. If, if you're fearful, generally fearful of, of something that's going to happen to you, either pain or loss or, or something like that, and generally that's going to happen to somebody else's action, right? And so then you can develop a hate towards that person or being or society or whatever that's either hurting you or someone who you really care for, you feel closer to you than someone else, which of course is wrong. But yeah, they, they're very, they are tied together very closely. Like, uh, Cousin, fear is a state of mind as we discussed last week. So that's an establishment. Whereas hate is like a, a raw, deep emotion. It's, a, its own energy, its own force. Both have the, the dark forces absolutely clapping their hands, saying that you're expressing either one or both. So we, we become continually pawns of these, these, uh, these shenanigans, and also the world conditions, which in turn, hate energy, uh, fear energy, radiates out into the Divic Kingdom, which manipulates all of our primary energies, and as a result, what do we have? 
foul weather conditions worldwide. Everyone contributing if they hate and if they fear, because it's all aberrant energies. So obviously the, 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 the command almost here is that we must turn to the unchangeable laws, these pure, highly resonating, clear tones that resonate through the galaxy and beyond. And right here, right now, take a firm stand and say, we will not continue to this uh, despair. We will not continue to the world karma, negative world karma. We're going to take a roundabout turn and move forward in the righteousness of the path that we're being guided through the ninth field. Here, bravery, dispelling fear with the right knowledge of the right kind, changing your mind, dropping fear. That's the first freedom. Now we're moving into love, and now we're finding that love is not the emotion that we thought it was. The vagueness of this emotion, the lack of love, too much love, not enough love, love, and then... In a way, that, that's another way of looking at the, these first two freedoms. You have um, the balancing uh, effect from fear, or, or the antidote to fear is bravery, and the antidote to hate is love. Another, another good way of looking at it. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, these, these books, these texts, you can... I mean, the Master said it's going to take us lives to get everything out of them. So it's, it's, it's a process. That's how we're having the study group. So that's, one, that's one nice thing about reincarnation, you know. You, you, you don't have to worry about getting it all this life. It's going for a long time. The more we shake this, this stir it up, the more we uh, inspire each other, the more we talk about these freedoms, the more we'll understand them between one another. Because understanding is a process of love as well. I mean, how do we understand each other unless we share? We share our fears sometimes. We share our trepidations. We share our anxieties. And then we help each other say, you know something? I understand that. I have felt that myself. And we help each other rise, turn the corner, and move forward. It may be slow at times. It may be hard at times. But we can accomplish it if we band together and understand that these freedoms are our destiny. They are the freedoms. So let's really try to get the best out of these classes well this week and we'll move on into our night's program here now. Well, we have quite a nice thing coming up. We have, uh, what is it, another, another transmission extract. Now, this is a, a second transmission extract and this is where it, it's, it's nice to, to have a text that really speaks to terrestrials from another planet. Kind of puts things in, in uh, a real nice perspective. So this is a nice, short, um, beautiful transmission extract. Shoot number three. A love is a natural energy, all pervasive, greater than mind, So therefore, it can be a contacted and brought into active manifestation by all terrestrials. That is um, a wonderful transmission extract. It 
It's very important, I think, when he mentions that it's above mind. Is that why we say that love comes from the heart? Or is in the heart? I think that's a, a large part of it. Of course, later on in the text, he also says that um, the heart center has two uh, faces. And generally on earth, a partial rise of the, of the Kundalini force energizes one face, which manifests as sentimentality. And so that, I think that's where most people feel love is, the, the sentiment of love. That's one of those faces. But that's a very good start, an important start. But it's when you, when you open up both of those faces, that's when you really start to manifest the love Mars at the Six talks about. He actually says the two faces in the heart the one face in the throat, and then the three faces in the, the third eye center. But it is important to get out of the, of the head. That's a big key. So here we have this, this uh, wonderful um, teaching that tells us from this great master who has been throughout the, this galaxy and beyond, seen probably countless live streams on thousands and thousands of inhabited worlds. And he says to us, if we apply this great love and make it active, manifest it actively, we will have freedom from all want, which is very, very large. It goes back to that question in the beginning. The person asked, well, what about the loss of, of God? Manifest love, and what happens is one of the basic uh, reactions from Manifesting actively the power of love, freedom from want, war, disease, lower self, hate, basic emotionalism, all these basic freedoms we will have. This is an amazing promise. Who else has said this? But before, what did we know about love? Once again, now we're learning about this great power, this universal power that lies in Rocks and well, let the master speak because we have a great excerpt. The master saying these beautiful words. Mark, could you please roll track five? Love is a natural energy. It's part of all things. If it's the third energy used to bring all creation into being, then therefore it's part of all creation. Can't be otherwise. It's part of rocks and trees and grass and rattlesnakes and her Hitlers and Himmlers and Jesuses and Saint Germains and El Moiras. Even George King. <laughs> it's part of all things. It's within all things. It can be roused in all things. And it can manifest. And very, very wonderful, most wonderful, it is when it manifests all-pervasive. The greatest aspect of all things contains love. The lowest aspect of all things 
must contain love because it's part of it. So everything on earth is living and everything will respond to this great power because it's part of everything. And when you when you tune in to love or radiate love, you tune in to part of that thing, whatever it is. And you are no longer isolated from it because here's a link between that and you. It's like a tuning fork almost. You strike the cord and you link up one with another. And if we could manifest this correctly, we would know all things about all things because here's a channel in which we can learn all about rocks and, and anything else we want to learn about. One thing that kind of occurred to me when I was uh, reading these texts again recently is it, the way he describes it in this extract. Um, it, it's almost like there's this great matrix of, of love. Um, everyone is in this matrix. We're all one. And although we appear separate, we're all one in this matrix. And we go through our life and we see each other as separate. Um, but if we can rise above that, that feeling of separateness, and we can feel the love or the connection in all other things, it's like we're rising up there and you can kind of, you've got this, this direct connection on this higher matrix. And through that higher connection, you can then send a tremendous amount of energy, whichever, in whichever form you would like to send that energy. It be prayer or spiritual healing or good thoughts, etc. But if you can rise above the matrix of separateness that we live in, kind of contact that feeling that we're all one, this, this feeling of love, we're all connected with this, with this energy of love, it, it's a very powerful conduit for any kind of energy to flow. It is the selfishness that we find ourselves not really being able to love. Truly having this relationship with things that are made of God. The Master during his life had a touch for everything. He had a particular love for boats, those of you who knew him, because he was on waters waters of psychic centers, waters of exploration, vital missions to this planet's history, as we discussed last week, were conducted on water. And he had a natural understanding of love for these vessels, so much so that he could sense the pulse of a boat. He knew before an engine would, act, would go out of sync or that a particular piston was out of tune. Yet, in the roar at 50 miles an hour, how could you discern at 50 miles an hour that there was a piston that was not quite operating because the spark plug was fouled? He sensed it because he had an open relationship for the vessel, born out of love. He did not consider it as an inanimate thing. He considered it to be a living thing. He referred to his boats as she. He called the engines he. It was so sweet. But beyond that, even, it was a great example of how he touched everything. And it shined 
I used to sit with him when he polished his cameras before a mission. And he'd sit for over an hour in his office right across the way here. And he'd be polishing the lens, slowly polishing the lens. And if you watched it, you could actually see like a light come from the, the camera. And it wasn't as if they had a light from heaven shining upon it. It was as if he was lighting it from his own hand, knowing that potentially this camera would capture something magnificent, a, a sunset, an action shot, his people at work out in the field, anything. Well, he was that way. It was quite a bit more... I want to say it's very different from a psychic ability. He, he didn't really exercise, in the days that I knew him anyway, uh, his psychic ability. He could have, but he, he, he rejected it, which uh, we're taught that we're, we're supposed to do is reject your psychic ability. But he still had this, this kind of connection through love, feeling, this, this understanding. And so it, it's a subtle difference, but it, I think it's an important now we're going to go into um, hypocrisy. Very important here to discuss this for a moment. Hypocrisy is the slayer of love. And I think we really don't need to talk too much more. Uh, safe to say that uh, in the words of the Master Mars Sector 6, many, content in their procrastinations, hypocritically talk and bandy this word about till it hath no meaning, save a vague, misunderstood, and academic one. So we got a lot of people saying love, 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 and not even knowing what the heck they're talking about, and nor do they dispense it or give it. And he says it, he says it's a, the slayer of love. We had earlier, hate was the opposite pole in the lower manifestation of love. Hypocrisy is the slayer of love destroys love. Because it's good to think about how, how might that work. And it, it's like, if you keep the idea of love in your head, if, it's, if you keep it as an intellectual idea, then you approach someone, for example, and you decide intellectually how you should respond to that person. How are you supposed to respond to that person? You aren't really feeling how you should respond to that person. You aren't really feeling what, because you don't really want to help the person. You're just trying to do what you think is appropriate, you see. And so if you do that, it, you're creating actually more of a separation. And that's one way that it, the hypocrisy can slay the love. Love is meant to, you're meant to feel that person. You're meant to feel what you're supposed to do to help that person. If you keep it in the mind, and you just say what you, you think that person wants to hear, for example, and you are keep detached from the person, then you're actually destroying the energy of love between you and that other person or other group or whatever. Does and that make any sense? The Master, Mars Sector 6, goes on to describe, and very carefully, and there's a reason why he says this, and I think this is very important, and I thought about this uh, to bring this up tonight, in the fact that manifesting love, the power of love, during the day, in the nine, free, nine freedoms, 
the master Mars Sector 6 goes out of his way to say you will manifest it in your sleep state. So often, the number of people that when you talk about sleep, they describe dreams, they describe experiences, or they have no recollection whatsoever. This master from Mars is saying, you exist 24 hours a day. You're responsible for your behavior 24 hours a day and your actions and your thoughts and your feelings. The total package continues. It doesn't stop when you lay your head down. Maybe you're not at work, the nine to five work. Maybe you're not in your church working, but you are lying down and you have a state of projection. Sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's not. And in that sense, manifesting love during the day, you will continue to manifest it in your projected state upon the realms. And it's very important to think about this and consider it. Because if you wake up sometimes, and we all have to be honest, we've had some pretty strange experiences uh, upon waking. We recollect it for a few minutes. Sometimes we write them down, but they're very odd. Uh, so take heed. Take heed when he talks about this one important point because it really can slow your progress down if you don't address it. And the only way to do it, of course, is to do the best you can when you're waking. Exactly. That, that's the most important thing. Continuity. Is to, is to do the best that you can, learn how to access the love and how to use the love and do it as much as you possibly can. And we'll get to that in a moment. What, one thing we, we really want to say, too, is, is our master's got a very, the master has an extremely um, unique and powerful equation for love. And it, it shows how powerful the energy love really is. I think we ought to listen to that uh, yes. extract. It's very, very powerful. And it's one which has to be really, it shows how careful you must be with the power of love. This is the bomb. This is the bomb. This is the big thing. This is, uh, Mark, this is track four. L-O-V-E has got a definite equation, and it's a very, very easily understood one, of creation, from itself. If you send out the power of pure love, it has to be pure love. Pure love is impersonal. It knows no relatives. It knows no sex. It knows no one human because it knows all. It's the impersonal person who can be the best lover. This, this might seem like contradictory to you. On the face of it, it is contradictory. A psychologist would say rubbish, but it is true. Examine it carefully and you will see. It's the impersonal person who can love all in an impersonal manner. The personal person can only love one or two in a very personal manner. That's what I mean. Well, if and when love is manifested in the right way, if it's directed towards a target, and it's an energy, it can be directed towards a target. 
You can shoot a ray of love from a certain psychic center just as you can shoot a bullet out of a gun. And you can fire it just as exact because it's an energy. When it hits this target, if it finds any, any, um, force at all to deflect it, or if it's held up in any way, it will immediately multiply itself by four. Now, in order to hold it up again, the barriers or the opposite force has to be multiplied by four. And then the energy, initial energy, will multiply itself by four again. And the barriers have to multiply themselves by four in order to, to combat it. It's getting even more and more interesting, this, this information about love. And it, it really, if you can really, if you can get a handle on it, it will, it will give you much more confidence in your prayers. You know, it, it's so common just to, you know, vaguely say a prayer and, and almost like it's a, a, a practice, a spiritual practice that you do because you're supposed to do it. You know it's a good thing, but you don't often have a real belief that it's going to happen. It's going to really make a significant effect. But if you can really key in on the tools that the Master is giving us, and both Mars Sector 6 and our own Master, giving very interesting information on this power of love. On the one, one hand, it's an energy that cannot be stopped. If it's sent in its pure form, it will keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying until it does what you have requested that it do. So that's, first of all, a clue that you have to be very careful of how you phrase your prayer. Go into that perhaps later. But if you can, number one, get above this matrix that we're in and, and connect on the higher love level virtually with the other person, and then be as pure as you can with that energy and send it with the right motive, and with that right connection that you have, and then you, you can know that that energy is going to keep bearing down until it creates that effect that you are wanting to create. Imagine a bullet that leaves a weapon. Traveling across air, hits a target, explodes, penetrates, and does its work. Now, look at the power and the force of this love energy. It travels from you, the person sending it, to the target, and it will be either accepted by the person or place or thing, and if it isn't, and a barrier is put up, then it's going to multiply itself by four. Interesting, very interesting. Not just one shot at something, Four times the power. And when it's repelled back against the stream of your love, then the same equal amount of power has to be met. That takes a lot of energy. 
and then it multiplies again by four, and then goes in. All the while, its intent is to transmute, not to kill, transmute. Lift up from the basic aspect upwards into the light. So let's say you have an enemy at work, a person that really, really despises you, and you know it, and they've been very verbal. What's your alternative? You can hate the person, you can fear the person, or you can love the person. How do you love them? You contact that dark spark within you, and you open your heart, and you pray with the right words. The right words, the 12 blessings is a perfect example of choice of words in prayer. Perfect, perfect prayer. And send forth your power this person, impersonally, without any tainting of seeing them one way or the other, your direction is so that they may be filled with the light of God. And what happens? This power is sent, and they, may, they might feel this power upon them. They may not be accustomed to the love energy upon them. They might, some, on some level, repel it. Well, if they repel it, it's going to come back at them four times stronger. And this is the, one of the greatest promises that we've ever been given on this planet as far as knowledge is concerned, to have this understanding of this great, powerful force. Also, he mentions in there, if, if, you, if you aim a gun, so you might ask, well, how do I aim this energy? How do I aim this energy to somebody um, at my office or, or another country or a long ways away? And the way you aim it is you... You have to make a contact with that. In this case, we're talking about a person. Make contact with that person. It might be um, a photograph. It might be a visualization of that person. It might be uh, the name of the person. So in other words, what you're doing is you're creating a link, a link on, again, this higher matrix. You're creating this link with that, with that person. And through that, that conduit, that link, that's where the energy will go. The, the energy will flow through that virtual um, link with that person. It's almost, it's almost like a tube, and it'll go right through that person. And the stronger you have that link, the stronger the energy will flow to that person. And now you can also improve that even if you visualize the person in the case of a healing. You know someone who's broken their arm, or, then you, you can enhance the visualization by visualizing the person as being perfect, no broken arm. Then through that same conduit, you're sending this visualization as well. So it's love, and in this case, a visualization to uplift the person. That's how you aim that power as an individual. One of the things that I've, I personally have been doing myself for quite a few years now, and I've taken the wisdom of our master to heart, is that I thought, well, how can I bring about love in my home? Well, you have a physical home. You start your process by bringing love from you to all things in your home. All things apparently inanimate or animate. Plants, televisions, stereos, carpets, nails, screws, glass, refrigerators, everything. Then you expand that love perimeter outwards to, let's say, your block. 
and you do this as a practice consistently for a time. Then you expand it to your village, expanding the perimeter, and you expand your love. Thereby, you can actually monitor, believe it or not, the incidences of accidents, crime, things of this nature over a period of years. And you'll be fascinated to learn that your impact upon your local neighborhood will be highly significant. The impact is not your personality. It's your impersonal use of the power of love. And it's exercising this muscle, this strength. Yes, we do gather in the Ethereum Society to send forth great waves of power throughout the world. Without a doubt, we've done wonderful, wonderful deeds because we've been trained by the greatest. However, with that training, we can apply it in our own environment and change it and use that potentially as a suggestion for an exercise. Now, is there any other questions at this point? Yes. Uh, I was wondering if you could elaborate more on the particular statement that I believe is in the, in the commentary where he talks about love being the uh, initial creative uh, force. The question is to elaborate on the concept of it being well, it's the third degree of the initial creative force. Um, well, yeah, I think the best thing is to go back um, and reread that one section, which he, I think he describes it very well. And that is, here he's describing the three aspects of the, the creative force. The first, the first um, level is create the original potential. Okay, so number one, the absolute created the original potential. Okay, that's, that's one. Right? Number two, introduce those forces into this potential which are designed to bring it into manifestation. That's number two. The number one is the potential. Number two is the potential became manifested. That's the opposite pole. He describes it at one point. Two poles. Potential, manifestation. Right? And the third degree is love. And that's the preservative aspect. That's, that's preserving what has been manifested. You see? That, that's it. Number one is potential. Number two is potential is manifested. Number three is the manifestation is preserved through the power called love. And what else can you say? It is a metaphysical truth that we will be growing with to gain further understanding. It's like the contemplations this master gives throughout the nine freedoms regarding the chakras. Know this, that the heart chakra has two faces. And he continues, well, these are truths that we are going to gradually understand all of us in our life to come. So we cannot answer these great truths ourselves, Brian and I, completely, because we are learning to understand them ourselves. It's safe to say that our master has put down in English the best understanding in writing that we could possibly have right now. It, you know, it really comes to mind, there are so many teachings in the Ethereum Society that the power of love is constantly being manipulated. And paraphrasing, and I don't want to paraphrase, but it's so beautiful that one of the great lords, the ancient ones, said something to the effect, and please forgive me, but it's worthy of saying that today's dreams will be come tomorrow's realities if the dreamer dreams in love. 
So if love today is a part of our imaging ourselves tomorrow, and we really use this power purely, then it will become a reality and it will be wholesome with all of the great aspects of God. But when we eliminate love from our day, when we eliminate love from our moment, and replace it with other negative forces, then it can only destroy and thereby reap again additional karma, karmic experiences that we have to have these essential experiences to teach through sometimes pain that love is. If you think about it, we're all part-time lovers, really. Uh, we spend most of our time in selfish pursuits, and we try and spend more and more and more amounts of our time in selfless love, compassion pursuits. If you look at what we have in our solar system, we have the, the best example of a full-time uh, lover is the sun. The masses on the sun. It spends 24 hours a day just radiating tremendous love and power and energy to everything in the solar system and even beyond. But what we need to um, try and focus on is what can we do? What can we do where we're at? We aren't suns just yet. Uh, we're part of the sun. We're in the sun's house. But what can we do on a day-to-day -day basis? How can we manifest this great energy called love? And I wouldn't mind reading 12 lessons here. Yes, uh, it's a good, very good point. And as you're finding it uh, there, and I'd like to bring up a very quick point. Motive. 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 Your motive, my motive, our motives are very important. They distinguish us from being black magicians, gray magicians, and white magicians. The Master George King gave a brilliant lecture, which is available on cassette. On CD? Not yet. Soon to be on CD. All the three forms of magic. If you don't possess it, grab it and study it because it is the key to your success. Your motive is key to the success of the use of love. If you have a, a great high motive that's spiritual and divine in nature, then that power will be delivered. That power will work. But if your motives are selfish and deceptive and deceitful, then you are bridging into black magic, and you uh, it will reap the karma. It can be very damaging. You know, it, it's, we, we, we hear how powerful this energy of love is. And so if you have a little bit of discoloration in your visualization or in your motive, then you can cause you know, a fair amount of damage. So you, you want to try and keep it as generic as you can and as uplifting as you possibly can. Master King has given many examples and directives on how to do that. Very extremely important. And that, that tape is one, a very good guide for that. Yes. But I'd, like, I'd like to read now Please. Um, from the Master Jesus, and this is uh, the epilogue, I call it, which is following the third blessing, which is, of course, blessed are they who love. And he gives a good description of, of how to Get yourself into the state where you can manifest love. I like to read that. 
O adorable children, be at peace. Let the light of God flow through your hearts and minds, and you will be at peace. Let not ugly ambition raise its greedy head before you, whispering terrible promise into your brain. Let not the four-headed monster possession breathe its hot breath upon your hearts, but be at peace. Walk ye into peace, request it gently, for it falleth even as a gentle rain from heaven. Let it flow. Offer to this wondrous power no resistance, but let it flow through you all now. Every cell of your body will rejoice. Every part of you will be happy neath this light. For dear friends, adorable children, first cometh the angel peace to make way for the goddess love. Open up the door, let peace enter in. Then will come the other in splendor to live forever within your soul. Here he, he tells you the first step to manifest love is to let peace enter in. We spend so much time kind of doing things and thinking this and buying that and wanting this and traveling over this and doing that. You're doing that, pushing, 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 you can't um, tune in. And remember, the most important aspect of, of love is to tune in. And so if you, if you let your mind settle down, and let peace enter in. Give yourself some of that white space that the graphic artists talk about. Just relax a little bit. And that gives you time to feel the other person or the other thing, the other city, the other entity, so that you can then send it what, what it needs. Very, very important. Beautiful. Beautiful report. You want to talk what? about writing, reading the book too? Yes, you? yes. There is, a, there is a real excellent tip that kind of slides by you in a book that I would like to think read often. But I'll refer to the book. It's called The Three Saviors Are Here. In this book, which tells the tale of three highly skilled, trained cosmic adepts who were sent to Earth during the last century. And in this book, we highly recommend this to be read by all of you. And it's important that you do. In it, the Master gives a tip, and this is the tip. If you wish to avail yourself of the essence and the power of a cosmic being and the planetary intelligence, let's say Mars Sector 6, uh, let's say Master Aetherius, or let's say the Master Jesus, you take the reading, let's say a book, you open it, you physically read the book for a few moments out loud. And he stipulates, read it for yourself, that you will have a presence join you immediately. That presence has been arranged, awaiting almost your command by this action. You're reading out this teaching. You're just reading it out 
not with any emphasis per se, reading it. And all of a sudden, this manifestation on the physical realm by the use of your larynx, you activate a great key to unlock a door. And in pours, not only inspiration, but an essence. The more you do this, the more you receive this wonderful glow upon you. And it snaps you out of a certain pattern. So if you have like a doldrum during the day, if you have a pattern that you set into, get out of it, take up the teachings. How many times, Brian, has the Master said, read it 50 times, the cosmic voice. Yeah. Read the book 100 times. What else do you have to do? You've heard him say it in the lectures. And if you think about it, as we get older, years have passed, you pick up the teachings, they give you such great comfort. It's like a friend that's never left you. It's, it's a spiritual practice. It's always good to remember that, you know, sometimes maybe you, we may not be up to doing the breathing exercises or the mantras or the prayers or the meditations or the contemplations. And it's good to remember that this tip, it is a spiritual practice. You're taking up a holy work and read it, either out loud or not out loud. In this case, out loud. But either way, studying the teachings is a practice. It's a spiritual practice which will help you evolve. So it's good to remember that. If you can't, don't have the ability or the, the oomph to do a half an hour breathing exercises, read the book. You need to get to, any questions about, um, about the love and the prayer and, and how to manifest it? It is very, very different, isn't it, from what is normally thought of as love. question about emotional or sentimental love is that thought of as being almost kind of selfish love in comparison to the love and the second freedom like the attachment you feel with someone that you're in love with the the master mars sector six uh, when we read the second freedoms and there's a segment in which he describes the movement of the chakra of the heart and there are two faces most humans of uh, the emotional side of us is the manifestation of one of the faces and that is what we call basic emotionalism which is sentimentality things of this nature it's when we operate both faces in harmony that we can radiate pure love of which the master mars sector six refers to and teaches us of. the second face is something we learn by dispensation it's something that grows. That's why in the Ethereum society, we have been instructed to serve humanity. This is our call. This is what we do. And in the process, our chakras will naturally evolve in a wholesome fashion over a period of time. By comparison, as the Master speaks of the two Buddhas, the other Buddha, by example, is the person that retreats from the world and goes out there and really dynamically tries desperately to activate Kundalini and bring her up through the various centers to have great ecstatic experiences, bliss, etc., etc. In our particular case, our path is one of helping our planet, addressing the needs of the many that outweigh the needs of the few, and gradually but surely we will have our auric envelope, the chakras, these beautiful flowers, blossom over time. 
So the more you love, the more you will have these wonderful chakras open. It's up to you as an individual to see that you dispense love, which leads us to how do we best dispense love? Well, it's, there's two ways. We've been talking a lot about um, prayer and individual love this evening. Um, but of course, we in the Ethereum Society, we, we, we more push and we use the impersonal love, you know, giving love to they who work for peace, giving love to they who love, giving love to the Devic Kingdom, sending love to difficult spots in the world to try and promote peace. Uh, and the best way to do that, well, actually the question, uh, the master had this self-same question. Yes. Which would we play this extract? I mean, Back in 1961, someone in the uh, audience asked this question. Some questions so never change. We grab it and play it for you so that you can hear the question posed in his straightforward answer. Mark, that's track six. A lady said, uh, can I give some kind of a technique how this dispensation of L-O-V-E is, is possible? Yes, the, the best thing I can tell you to do is the 12 blessings, because this is completely balanced in a better way than any ordinary earth man can do it. It's absolutely bound. Practice the violet flame, practice like we do in the service here, and, and charge yourself, get into a nice state, and practice the 12 blessings, and it's completely balanced, that. That's the best way I know. If there's a better way, I'd tell you, but there isn't. Didn't mince any words on that one, did he? It's the best way to do it. I, I remember one question somebody asked St. Guling. Every so often, uh, St. Guling would offer himself to answer questions to the staff, and I guess uh, members at the time. And one question was, somebody said, how can we best help the, the President of the United States, I think the question was, the Adepts and George King? And he said, well, you can ask George King yourself. As far as the Adepts and the President of the United States, which he took as really meaning just the world, he said, the best thing that you can do is the 12 blessings, 24 hours a day. <laughs> it's always a danger of asking a master a question because then you're kind the of responsible answer. for um, doing it. But they're, they're pretty straightforward on this. And don't forget the master theorist said uh, also back in, I think, 1959, right after one of the mountains was charged in, in Operation Starlight, that the most potent yoga in this day is the performance of the 12 blessings on top of a holy mountain during a spiritual push. You can radiate more energy in that way than you could possibly do so in any other way. And it was said you can do, you put more energy out at that time than an adept could have in previous um, centuries. So it's pretty clear how, how, to, um, how to send out energy. And we're here in a spiritual push. If you pray for one hour, that's 3,000 hours. If you pray for two hours, that's 6,000 hours. How many hours there is there in a year? And, and understand, too, when you, when you come to a, a Monday night service, for example, during a spiritual push, it, it is a lot more powerful than to, to do it at home. There's just, just no question about it. I mean, come and, come and see. You'll find out. It's just so much more energy. 
And that is, I'll skip back again. The master had a technique that he knew, and he called it King Fu. You watch it very carefully. Very advanced technique, which uh, people used to try and get him to spill the beans on every so often. And he kept kind of like trying to sneak in and find out, you know, how did you do that with King Fu? You know, we always try to trick him. Never got very far. But he did say at one point, he said that the best training you can possibly have for King Fu is Operation Prayer Pump. Operation Prayer Power. And if you think about it, when you go to Operation Prayer Power, you are directing energy, like a gun, like he talks about, directing energy to that prayer team member. Or if you are the prayer team member, into the battery. And that's, that's the whole key. It, it's see energy as a tool. And then focus it with the, the power of love. So make that connection through love and then focus your energy down that linked connection. That's practice. Wajid? A lot of emphasis is made on, <clears throat> on you know, the transmutation and, and this personal love, but the reality of mankind is that we're all, on a daily basis, uh, you know, caught up in the sentimental aspect of the of that lies with the first aspect of the chakra, and 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 it's it's very very difficult, in my experience, uh, to to transmute that and bring it into that high aspect of love. Um, do you have any guidelines? Because I mean that's something which 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 is affecting everybody on a daily basis. So the question is, um, guidelines. Of well, one thing that helps me is I relax and try not to affect, allow it to affect me. Uh, all these basic emotions that we have to deal with on a daily basis. The question is how to rise above the basic emotional, emotional. Uh, right, but the the aspect of sentimentality and and all the basic aspects of of the of love and to bring that to that state. It's not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily oh, that easy. No, no, no one's saying it's easy. No, no, no one's saying that. You know, don't forget it says in the nine freedoms that these these lessons have had to be specially um, developed. And they've done a good job. These are big, these are tough lessons. I mean, if they were easy lessons, what would be the point? They're hard lessons. A strong defense is a good offense. And you take the fight to where it is. I'll give you an example. Nursing homes in America. In America. You go into a nursing home, a collection of 100 people, 200 people, and each person has come to a certain point in their life, and most of these people are full of despair, full of fear, hopelessness, trepidation, and a great anxiety regarding the fact that death is at their door. Now, obviously, none of us here necessarily work in nursing homes. I happen to have, so I can speak from experience. You take wherever your body goes, wherever you are, you spend a few moments and you transmute that area, that arena. You don't have to go into a deep trance state. If you're going to a supermarket, you have to take Walmart's energies upon yourself 
and fight it off because you're in a sea of darkness and a sea of malnourished people? No. You take the fight to Walmart, in this case. You bathe the place for a few moments, and you pray. For, stand in the, the corner. Stand someplace and just open your hands up by your side and let the light flow for a few moments. For those few moments, you will change everyone. All things will be bathed in this great power. Is that easy? That is easy. It's that we act, unfortunately for us, we think we have to do a lot to change something. We just need to do something to change something. So for one minute, it changes everything for that one minute. So when you're in a hospital, don't be affected by the grief and the sorrow and the and the anxiety, once again, in a hospital. Bathe the hospital with God's power of love, and it will transmute. A bank, a post office, a gas station, everywhere you go, use the great power. Believe that you can change your environment. Don't disbelieve it, believe it. And so the way I think that would relate to you know, people that may be going through a difficult, we all go through difficult times. But so when you're going through a difficult time, um, I think you can take this answer to mean that rather than focus on your difficult time, you know, focus on other people's difficult times. Um, as another analogy, the master would say, a great healer, Harry, Ed Harry Edwards, he was a great healer, and he would often show up with, say, dozens of people to be healed. He might show up, he did one time, with a massive gash uh, on his leg or his knee. But he ignored that. Even though it was a bad gash, he ignored that because there were many people who were in need. And so he put his need aside for the time being and tried to help other people. And so through the um, act of love, in other words, you're giving love to those who need it, you will then transmute your own suffering your own needs. You see? Love is sacrifice. Our sector said, real sacrifice. It's not without a cost. And once again, we are at the threshold of change. We are at the 11th hour as far as mankind's history. We don't have centuries of thinking about it. That's why these great truths have been given to us now, because we need to snap to clear our minds and apply this wisdom immediately, but in a user-friendly way. Because we can, we can look at our life and, and, and recollect our past and say, well, in this lifetime past, I was possibly in Africa or lived in England or I lived in some country. We've all suffered before. We continue to suffer. Well, let's change it by the use of this great cosmic power. Yeah, the master taught the best thing is to do, you know. Um, and so if, if, you're, if you're suffering, if there's a problem that comes up, try these tools out. Try the 12 blessings. Try um, uh, different ways of using the love energy. Just try them. Just try them out. And they're going to work. They're going to work. Our master teaches that um, not to um, 
not to activate the power of Kundalini in a direct manner. Uh, he teaches that the, the safe way is through service, through doing 12 blessings, through doing spiritual healing, through going to the holy mountain and sending out prayers to the world. This will tend to activate the Kundalini force in a very natural, safe manner. He's very adamant about that. I mean, there are many techniques, of course, that can really focus the Kundalini and try and force it up the spine prematurely. And you're right, if you try and do that um, without doing, being very austere in many different ways, then you can have serious problems. And he mentions that many times. No question about that. Kundalini is active at all times in all human beings. It's just not in the degree of bringing it up to Sunna and activating the, the centers through the spinal column. We have kundalini operating when we bend our fingers as the master speaks. We blink an eye, kundalini is activated. It's not a question of that. It's a question of uh, purposefully and directly stimulating kundalini so she rises up susuna, and then we have the fire burn through the first center and upward. And that's something that the master did himself. He did it at will. I don't have to tell stories, it's written very much so, but I've seen him go into trance to receive a cosmic transmission, and within two minutes, he's in rapport with a, a being from another planet. Kundalini's gone up quickly to a high center, he's focused on a beam, he's interpreting it, his larynx is moving, the intelligence speaks. That's fast, dangerous, but that's used for master. He's a rare being. In our case, we are at our stage of evolution. The best thing that we can do is serve our world right now. We'll get to that um, really in detail. The next, next freedom that Wednesday. we talk, we'll talk yeah. about that in detail. There is there is something here towards as we end here, nearing the end. The great master Mars Sector Six gives one last statement. And I think I'd like to read this. If there was one thing sure, it is this. At your command, there is a whole macrocosmic system filled with this energy. You will be asked, after the initiation call death, either why you did not use this power more fully or why you tended to misuse the basic aspects of it. Be prepared for this question, for as sure as God, it will be asked, and you will answer. And I'll read very quickly our Master's commentary. Again, Mars Sector 6, in his deep compassion for mankind, is going out of his way to appeal to all to take careful notice of this text, to understand the divine energy, love. And he is also impressing upon everyone how vitally important it is to use this energy correctly and weakly. Mm. So, we come to a close here. Next week we'll be gathered together and we'll be uh, welcoming the ladies from the Tennis Association again.
Marta, seeing you again. Wajit, Jocelyn, Anita, Hendrik Lovdecken, Rose Van Westernhausen, always good seeing you, love. Sebastian, all the way from Argentina. Anina. We want to finish with one last extract, if we might. And this is a, a taped extract, a great way to, uh, to finish. Uh, let's just uh, set up straight again for this one. And as a way of kind of, um, you know, tuning in and expressing a silent prayer of thanks, perhaps as this comes through. Mark, this is uh, track seven. The second freedom is love, true love, manifests and mold your future. Did you notice that this time you said the second freedom is love? So it's like you began with the second freedom will be love, and now that he's given it, it is love. Makes you really wonder who is Mars Sector 6? Maybe it would be a good idea to send a little prayer to Mars Sector 6 and thankfulness for his wisdom tonight. Would you like to do that? Yes. We'll close our eyes. Let's raise our hands. Just for a moment, let's let's key in on the voice of Mars Sector 6 and use that as our focal point, as our connection above the matrix, back to that great karmic lord, Mars Sector 6. For a moment, think of his voice. Powerful. O divine and wondrous Parabrahma, we come together at this time in humble prayer, requesting that thy love might flow now that great being we know as Mars Sector 6. Almighty God, fill this one with this love now and always. And we send to him our deep thanks for this great and wondrous wisdom contained within the nine freedoms. May God bless him now and always. Let's join the AUM once. Deep breath.
Thank you for all coming. We'll see you next week. This concludes the second freedom known as love. Next week, we will continue our study of the nine freedoms with the third freedom, service. For those of you interested, please contact us at www.atherius.org, your cosmic connection. Thank you.